This is your Times Daily World Briefing on Sunday the 2nd of October. I'm Jenny Barsby. And I'm Amy Gill. Indonesia suffers its worst football stadium disaster for 50 years. Billows of this pungent tear gas filled the pitch and there was a panic rush for the exit. And it was, it was as people trying to get out that they were crushed. And another important victory for Ukraine. The Ukrainians uh, um, seem to uh, be um, advancing further and they've got the Russians on the, um, on the run. The Times Daily World Briefing. At least 174 people have been killed and 180 injured in a crash at a football match in Indonesia. Trouble began when supporters from the losing team invaded the pitch at the stadium in Malang in East Java. The East Javan police chief, Nico Afinta, explains why that happened. It was the feeling of disappointment that prompted the supporters to go down to the field to ask the players why they lost the game. That's when the security team moved in for prevention efforts so they won't get onto the field or interact with the players. During that process, in the prevention effort, tear gas was fired because it had gotten anarchic. They had started attacking officers. They damaged cars. But as the Times Asia editor Richard Lloyd Parry told us, it was the police response that caused people to panic. The police, I think many people would agree, overreacted by not only hitting, beating people with batons, but eventually firing tear gas. Billows of this pungent tear gas filled the pitch and there was a panic rush for the exit. And it was, it was as people trying to get out that they were crushed. And as you said, the latest... Uh, count of the dead is 174. I think that's certain to arise to rise by a lot. Images on social media show people who appear to have lost consciousness being carried away by other fans. The head of one of the hospitals in the area treating patients revealed some of the victims had sustained brain injuries and the dead included a five-year-old child. As Richard Lloyd Parry told Times Radio, the stadium was also over capacity. It was a derby. Uh, and their intense rivals. Because of their intense fan rivalry, the visiting Persebaya fans were not allowed into the stadium. It was entirely occupied by fans of the home side. There were 42,000 of them in a stadium with a capacity of only 38,000. Indonesia's president has now ordered authorities to thoroughly re-evaluate security at soccer matches and has also told the country's soccer association to stop Liga 1 matches until the investigation has been concluded. Just one day after Russian President Vladimir Putin celebrated the annexation of nearly a fifth of Ukraine, Ukrainian forces have recaptured the eastern town of Leman in the Donetsk region. Its recapture has become the biggest gain for the Ukrainian army since last month's lightning counteroffensive in the Kharkiv region. Glory to Ukraine, one soldier shouts in Laman. His comrades respond, glory, glory, glory. Behind them, soldiers on the roof of a building throw down the white, blue and red Russian flag, replacing it with their blue and yellow Ukrainian flag. Ashkod Krushaniki is the Times reporter in the Ukrainian capital, Kyiv, and told Times Radio why Laman is strategically important. It's got a huge military significance because it's a transport hub, rail and road. Um, It's now um, enabling Ukrainian forces, which 
last September, um, last month in September, um, captured um, huge tracts of the area to the north of um, um, Le Mans in the region of Kharkiv, um, which had previously been occupied by the Russians. They they retook that in a very swift and surprise operation. And now they're moving um, south. President Zelensky has promised more Ukrainian victories in the Donbass region, which covers Donetsk and Luhansk. Both are largely under Russian control and were key to Putin's so-called special military operation to denazify Ukraine. Ashkod Krushaniki went on to say what this latest victory will mean for the Ukrainian army. The Ukrainians uh, um, seem to uh, be... Um, advancing further, and they've got the Russians on the um, on the run. Um, lots of uh, videos have been posted, uh, which are unverifiable so far. But mostly, they uh, they're usually um, correct, and and they're taken by the Ukrainian military, and they show lots of um, dead Russian um, soldiers, um, prisoners of war taken by the Ukrainian side. The recapture of Laman has prompted the leader of Russia's southern Chechnya region to call for the use of low-yield nuclear weapons. And last week, Putin reiterated that he was not bluffing when he said he was prepared to defend Russia's territorial integrity with all available means. Washington says it will respond accordingly if nuclear weapons are used, but analysis at the Institute of the Study of War believe the Russian army in its current state would not be able to operate such weapons. On the way, Brazilians head to the poll for an election that could see the end of Bolsonaro, and Bruce Willis confirms he has not sold his face. The Times Daily World Briefing. Troops from the Florida Air National Guard have begun clearing debris from the streets of Fort Myers Beach in the wake of Hurricane Ian. Florida, North and South Carolina are trying to recover from the destruction wrought by the hurricane, one of the most powerful storms to hit the U.S. mainland. At least 77 people have now died, but it's estimated 10,000 are missing, while the cost of repairs will run into billions of dollars. Ricky Anderson lives on Senebel Island in southwest Florida. Can we get some help down here? You know, would that be too much to ask? I mean, you look around here, there's nothing. We have no power, no phone service, nothing. So we just like a little help. I'd like a little help to get my home back in shape because I have nowhere to go. Joe Biden has already approved a disaster declaration, making federal resources available to counties impacted by the storm. He's also announced he'll visit Florida and Puerto Rico next week. Can't go without saying our heavy, the devastating hurricane, the storms in Puerto Rico, Florida and South Carolina. My administration is working closely with the CBC members to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes, to help search and rescue, recovery and rebuilding. It's going to take a long time, so we cannot tire. Whatever it takes, I mean it, whatever it takes. Meanwhile, in Cuba, residents have taken to the streets of the capital, Havana, protesting at still having blackouts five days after Hurricane Ian's direct hit. The sound of supporters of Brazil's leftist candidate Lula da Silva lining the streets of Sao Paulo for his last rally before heading to the polls for the first round of elections on Sunday. 
De Silva currently holds a 7.9% lead over current right-wing president Jair Bolsonaro in the country's most polarised election in decades. Leader of Brazil from 2003 to 2010, De Silva left office with high approval ratings, but his workers' party became synonymous with corruption and its last president in 2016 was impeached. De Silva himself has spent time in jail on corruption charges, but they were overturned by a Supreme Court judge, and a UN Human Rights Committee found his trial violated due process's guarantees earlier this year after uncovering evidence of wiretapping. John Bonfilio is the Times Latin America correspondent. He believes De Silva will win the election, but says Bolsonaro's reaction to a potential loss is the real issue. The big question is not what happens tomorrow or on the 30th of October if there is a second uh, round, a runoff. The big question is what happens when Bolsonaro says there was fraud in this election and when he calls on the military and his supporters to stand up against the, in his perspective, fraudulent election. Taking a leaf out of Donald Trump's playbook, indeed Bolsonaro declares himself as the former US president's biggest fan. The Brazilian president has for months declared the election is open to fraud. Earlier this week, Bolsonaro claimed that a handful of civil servants could overturn the results of the election. The Times Daily World Briefing. Sport. And here's Kane Reeves with a look ahead to the Singapore Grand Prix. The Formula One title could be won on Sunday with Max Verstappen closing in on his second successive championship. But an eighth-place start on the grid at the Singapore Grand Prix looks likely to delay his celebrations. The Red Bull driver appeared to have the pace to take pole in qualifying, but abandoned his penultimate lap after an error and was then told urgently to pit before finishing his final lap. Ferrari's Charles Leclerc will start on pole. Meanwhile, Alex Alban qualified 19th on his return after a medical emergency when he spent nearly 24 hours in intensive care. The Times Daily World Briefing. Entertainment. Actor Bruce Willis has denied reports that he'd sold his face to Deep Cake, an AI company that specialises in deep fakes. Deep fakes are videos of a person whose body's been digitally altered, so they appear to be someone else. They're often associated with the spread of false information. The diehard actor had authorised the use of his face for a Russian telecoms advert in which Deep Cake digitally imposed his face on an actor's body, but he hadn't sold the rights to his face completely. AI replacements been a growing trend in Hollywood, with Disney using the technology to recreate a younger Darth Vader voice in its 2022 Obi-Wan Kenobi series. And finally, New Zealand has welcomed back the remains of around 64 Indigenous New Zealanders, stolen by an Austrian grave robber between 1877 and 1889, after more than 70 years of negotiations. In a ceremony at the country's National Museum, Te Papa, A few hundred people gathered to witness a procession as the remains were carried in white boxes and placed on a stage covered with straw blankets and fur. In a statement ahead of the remains return, the Ter Papa Repatriation Advisory Panel said, It has always been a spiritual relief and privilege to welcome back our ancestors who have been victims of such wrongdoing. Since 2003, more than 600 remains have been repatriated. And that is your Times Daily World Briefing on Sunday, the 2nd of October. This podcast from The Times is brought to you in partnership with Google Podcasts. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 